0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Eat, Sleep, Suplex, Retweet. Then the Ryans a tweet and let them know their Smackdown show is on the ropes. Hey, mm-hmm. hey, hey, ho, ho. Ryan, Ryan Gallagher's got to go after that abysmal performance at the weekend for himself after I brought the A-show, the Raw Report, back to level pegging after the best of five sweeps. Unfortunately, Ross McClough may have celebrated bit too much. He's went and bought himself a new house. So I've got a Saturday Draft Live co-presenter with me I've got Scott McLeod. Scott, how, how are you feeling about the Raw Report? Co- coming back to level pegging against this anyway back to the wrestling pitch.
1: Honestly Jack, I never had a doubt in you because Ross, you know, I'm used to disappointing him over the last twenty odd years, but you know, he let he let the site down uh take over. But you did well, He brought it back for one all. And it came down to Jeff Hardy and Jameson if you'd know no is going to continue on the extreme rules because we're going to have Jeff Hardy's colour scheme and knowing this video will be a prescription bottle and a full match or some such
0: <laughs> As I, I said to Ryan Gallagher when we're doing this, you can't discount a man that's had, just had a drug of fish, Chuck him. <laughs>
1: it's,
0: it's proved dividends so if he's, if he's didn't already know you're listening to the Raw Report on Suplex Retweet Extra, catches and all the socials at Suplex Retweet your Twitter, Instagram, Facebook can listen to as a Spotify, iTunes, anywhere. When you get your podcast, we are bloody well on it. I mean, we've got our own website as well, suplexretweet.com. You can catch all our episodes on there and all our uh, blogs and just everything. And wrestling might just come our way. But you know, we'll get we'll get back onto the show. The, the, the important stuff. So, uh, Scott, how how did you feel? Raw was this week after backlash.
1: Yeah not too bad overall because i remember i've been helping out ross with his new House so i didn't get a chance to watch a lot of raw until like tuesday evening i sat down and properly watched it in full but i had seen like on youtube and through social media that christian made an appearance and the stuff that was going to happen later with randy orton and probably like well i'm glad i'm i'm in on the raw part of you not ross because i wanted to talk about christian but outside of like that and two or three other big talking points. There was some plunder near the, the middle of the show.
0: I mean, I, there was there, there were parts that was just really good for me. That I proper enjoyed it, but other parts I thought, what what the what the fuck is happening? And, and we'll get right on to what 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 in the actual f was happening. Why the hell is Akira Tazawa in a faction with ninjas?
1: <laughs> oh Jesus! Like this big seven foot ninja, right? Yeah, it just this is a weird comparison, and I hope probably only a few people will remember this. But there's a Bruce Lee film called A uh, Game of Death, in which Bruce Lee goes up these five different floors, taking a different ninja master on each floor. And on the top floor is a ninja played by basketballer Kareem Abdul Jabbar. And he just kicks Bruce Lee in the chest, and it leaves a giant footprint on Bruce Lee's chest. <laughs> and I've seen this guy. And I immediately thought of that film and that scene with Groomer Dojavar fighting Bruce Lee.
0: Oh, I, I, I was. I'd genuinely be fearful, even if I knew it's like obviously it's, it's all all scripted and whatnot. And like, yo, you're, you're working this guy. I'm. I'm still want to be fearful of him. It's it's, it's seven foot three is unbelievable. But obviously, this this faction came about at backlash when there was the the interruption on whatever backstage brawl happened between the Viking Raiders and the Street Profits and. Akira Tozawa seems to be leading it and coming, coming on to Raw they were thinking of how how best they were going to end their um, that's anything you can do we can do better series and then somehow they came to the decision that they were going to have an eight man tag match against Tozawa and his three ninjas to which they they won in about 30 seconds Tozawa never, never got in the ring they had this seven foot three ninja just kind of waiting the outside till they lost and then they come in And then, as it seemed that all hope was lost, you know, the the biggest, most reliable man in sports entertainment, the Big Show has turned face again and has made return to save the day.
1: (laughs) There's nearly as many MCU movies as there are face and heel turns for the (laughs) Big studio. I'm pretty sure at this stage, I mean, that thing at that that just says that we just found out definitively that not everything in this whole cinematic wrestling style can be good, because I honestly don't know what the fuck this was meant to be. And am so
0: confusing.
1: And the whole thing of they say next week, oh, thanks to the big show, oh, here's a novel idea, aren't you, settle us With a wrestling match for your tag team titles.
0: <sighs> I like mean, it was if it was like kind of like the it was, it was like a, kind of a general manager so to being like, how about just to finish it, you just have a tag title match next week? And I'm thinking, well. They're making it seem as if oh, that's a brilliant idea. That was the idea to literally happen the night before. And they <laughs> decided to beat the shit out of each other. So like, how, how can you guarantee that's not going to happen next week?
1: You know? And the whole thing is, like, they're doing a thing, and you know, I know some people are happy that they don't have on-screen authority figures, with the exception of like, William Regal and that, because and, they usually take up uh, a lot of screen time. But then that's led to people asking, well, how do these matches keep getting made? And I think that's why they haven't had a wrestling match yet, is there's no authority figure to make it. So they're just doing whatever the fuck they want
0: <laughs> So, I, it's, it's, it's a weird one but hopefully it, it ends it ends this kind of rivalry because me and Ross are pretty sick fed up of uh, having to bash this for so long because it's, it's I'm glad I'm talking about it now and getting out of the way because honestly I don't want to go any further with this Scott
1: yeah, three.
0: so uh, next kinda, a match that we discussed in the best of five sweeps we thought might have been added to the pre-show happened on Raw the next night You have Kevin Owens versus Angel Garza it it seems to maybe have ended their kinda wee mini feud just to tied a few weeks ago for both Owens and Garza. Owens picks up the win and it seems that the Andrade Garza alliance seems to be crumbling every week and this rivalry might be starting sooner than we think.
1: Possibly, yeah, I mean, I know Andrade and Garza were maybe the team that faced the uh, Street Profits at WrestleMania before Andrade got injured, which then brought Austin Theory into the group. And the way the Vegas is going, I think she seems like she's going to try and direct them to going after titles again. And given that Andrade lost at Backlash, maybe they'll get a shot at whoever wins next week's thing between Street Profits and Viking Raiders. Uh, I don't think they'll win, but I think it's like, again, there'll be more dissension, maybe extreme Rules, that eventually leads to the match. And I like the way that they're they kind of this. Kevin Owens and took kind of feel like the kind of a pawn in this story and him beating. Uh, Angel Garza but the whole thing being in the, out- the squabbler on the outside between Garza and Andrade and so I'm sad to see where, I don't really know where, where Kevin Owens is going I'd hoped he was going in the US tail picture but that seems unlikely
0: I'm really surprised was happening with Kevin Owens obviously getting getting injured at Wrestlemania was a bit hampered to what was going to happen but I, I said even before this match was going to happen if Seth, when Seth Rollins lost the match he was somehow going to be the winner coming out of it as and he got his dirty title feud, even even though he's lost, he's still in a very prominent role in Raw, and Gavin Owens just seems quite fouling out to this US title scene.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, because like he played a big part in that US title match, which made me think that once the cars and Andrade um, went off into their thing, when Owens would go after Apollo, like yeah, I'll help you out, but remember I was still with a title shot when those guys before those guys interfered a few weeks back, and they'd keep that going, but. When we talk about a Roddy seems to have uh, other people eyeing for his title.
0: I well I uh, will we'll look forward to that when that happens. But the kind of, the last the last kind of dud thing I'll I'll put in. Maybe some folk might not see the dud thing, but I see the dud thing because I've not been enamoured by this feud at all is the Ask and Jacks match, the, the rematch for the Raw Women's Championship after after Backlash ended in a a, a double count out. Everyone seemed kinda of a bit miffed. As, as to why that happened, and we're thinking, all right, it's a way it kind of protects uh, Nia Jax, I guess, not getting pinned and whatnot. And Naska still keeps her belt, and then we found out, oh, we'll get a rematch on Ross. so like, oh, we'll actually get definitive winner. Still, maybe not so the case. So it's still a bit of a screwy finish. Obviously, there was a point that the match itself was all right, but Nia Jax, at one point at the end, ends up pushing the referee in a kind of fit of rage. Then she kind of realises what's happening, and John Cone's a bit like ring the bell and ask Then rolls up Nia Jax. Cone turns round, and there's a fast count: one, two, three, and that's the match over. Is a is there a feud going to happen between Cone and Nia Jax? Is that, is that, is, that what, is that what I'm meant to get from this? I, I, I don't know what happened here.
1: I don't know. Maybe this will signal the return of his son Nicholas former raw
0: title.
1: Honestly, <laughs> I prefer his raw title into the street profits at the moment, but. That's another story, but yeah, this I can see this as a doubt as well because this backlash match, I thought was really just starting to get into its groove before the, the count-out spot happened, and then you had this match on Raw, which again didn't seem to get really going before the finished spot happened because Asuka was starting to look good in the Raw match. there uh, seemed to always have an answer for Nia, and even though Nia was bigger, she was always in the back because Asuka kept getting her in like, the armbar spots and all that. And then yeah, Naya almost gets herself DQ and like I don't get why the referee suddenly decides no I'm gonna count instead of DQ and like, no, if it's a DQ then you should just immediately cycle for the DQ. Like and you know they'll play that off as like in referee's discretion, but yeah, I don't think this feeds done. I think we're going to the extreme real, I don't know, shot John Cohen in a sharp match, in a shark cage maybe. <laughs>
0: It's uh, it's as it, I that I, I was afraid that I didn't want to happen, but understood that it, kind of it needed to be it would legitimise Naya his uh, reign a wee bit, and it kind of tides the the fuel over until eventually we have Charlotte or Sheena Baszler comes in to kind of dethrone her. But well, that's the dud stuff covered in a bit. Hey, sorry,
1: Jack. Before you move on, now, talking about Charlotte, I, I do see this Naya thing continuing the extreme rules because. Extreme rules is often a place for like rematches from a previous paper. You'd just be like a stipulation attached, and I think this is also a way to continue the Nia thing to all extreme rules. But you remember, uh, Charlotte was backstage with Ric Flair on Raw, and he was basically asking her, Who gets under your skin? What is next for you? Uh, I've seen a clip like 10 15 minutes before we started recording this of uh, Charlotte on that Raw talk, and she was talking about the perceived notion that she's entitled and she's one not too many titles and she talks about how she's always consistent, she's always here rarely getting injured, she's up doing promotions for all the shows even when she's not on and then she called out Nia Jack, basically like I'm not entitled, it's the people who go off for a year and then come back and walk into title matches that are entitled it's those people that get under my skin so maybe if we can get like Charlotte, Naya and in a triple threat at Dream Rules I think this will become a much more bearable like programme for the title
0: I think it'd be quite good in a way if if they can like if they're able to keep Charlotte on a main show and not have her a title feud uh, it kind allows the women's division to get elevated a bit and allow like stars, maybe like a a wee Love Morgan feud a Nia Jax feud and whatnot they can be put on like a extreme rules pay per view so like the the women's title might not need to be defended or whatever I think having her in that role might be quite good and beneficial to the women's division as a whole.
1: Mm-hmm. Is I was looking at it like who else is throwing off a a face outside of late like, nine and ask, I can think of it. And I realized, look, oh, and Shana could bring Shayna back for if she'd with, with Shala. Where's she going to?
0: Hey, that's I, I, as, as a Raw Report host and a member of Saturday Draft Live, having Shana Baszler on my team, I have been very, very miffed <laughs> as to why she's not been here recently. But that's I digress, it's another story. The dud stuff. So, with well, Scott. Well, let's crack on with arguably what I've been enjoying most that the since since this new new characters came in. What is your opinion on the Messiah gimmick of Seth Rollins?
1: I love it. they has me like just how he carries himself, and like the very least as off said, rarely ever raising his voice. It's always part of Rollins' plan because like. Before, like, WrestleMania, when he's just starting to get this faction together, he just seemed like, this egotistical, like, regular healer who just took credit for Carrie and Raw all the time, but even after WrestleMania, the more cult-esque part of this character and the natural development of it, and every week seems a new, like, part of the character comes out that we didn't think we'd see, and it just adds more layers to it. I think it's the most layered thing that that Sith Rollins has done his entire WWE career,
0: I, I it, it pleases me no end how much you're a fan as I am. Also, a very big fan of this character. But uh, we we see Seth Rollins in a backstage segment and uh, he's being told, "Oh, do you know that uh, Dominic's going to be appearing on Raw tonight?" And he's, "Oh, yes, I've been made aware on social media, and uh, no one's seen him in the building yet. But um, I will I will address this straight away." And he, he comes down, he heads to the heads to the ring looking. Looking dapper as ever, and he's talking. He, he's talking about Ray, Ray Dominic, and he's saying about how how great a sacrifice Ray was to allow this movement, this this following, this taking Raw into the New Age. Ray Mysterio's allowed this to happen, and he knows that Dominic wants to avenge his father. Pretty much, but he's, he he threw out the option: how about you join me? You become my disciples, and we can we can take what your father sacrificed." As and make it into what Raw is going to be in the future, And then all, all of a sudden, Rey Mysterio turned up on the the, the, the big screen and had another kind of bore promos ever. was like, "Oh, don't you hurt my son? Don't don't do this. Don't do that." And he's like, "I won't. I won't hurt your son unless he stands in my way. I just want to speak to him. I just want to understand what he's coming from here." So even when even got so far as to go on his knees and be like, "I want Dominus to be here just to just to talk to me." And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, coming through the the, the two rows of socially distant fans, <laughs> Dominic comes and slide tackles and smacks Seth Rollins across the head and kind of jumps him a bit. But see, he was thrown into the steel steps. It, that I, I looked like he actually hurt himself quite a bit there. But I, obviously Dominic's a bit green. What can you do? Murphy and Teddy came running out and started chasing them, and uh, Dominic managed to escape. I thought. Dominic looked really good. Obviously, Theory and Murphy were able to help him a lot and making him look good and invading the kind of punches and the chucking over the ring ropes and that. But aside from that, I still think Dominic looked, Dominic looked pretty competent in all this.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's easy sometimes to forget just how massive Dominic is, like sidewise, because like obviously anybody looks tall next to Rey Mysterio, but even like next to Rollins and Murphy. Like Dominic's a big looking lad and we know he's like he's had training under his dad. And the way he was moving, yeah, he might outrun Ron's and his disciples. And obviously, this is like an idea like this is gonna you know, they got the jump on the Messiah who seems like feels like he always knows what he's doing. Ray Mysterio though, he has many things. A good actor is not one of them.
0: Nah, no, his, his his promo work on the big screen's been absolutely abysmal he's it's it's weird I've like Rey Mysterio is arguably a fan favourite for many, many people, but like his promo work is just, it's just left be, to be desired. I've never noticed how bad his promos has been until kinda recently, but maybe he's never had many promos to, to back up how bad he actually is. Mm.
1: Yeah, I don't think it's ever really been a strong, the strongest part of his game, unless he's in a, a proper story where he has something to really work with and real emotion behind it. Then he always like manages to pull something out but i think given the basically like, having to do this probably scripted promo via like the video screen it's not allowing him to better utilize any talking ability that he has and the thing with with seth like i'm always interested to see where he goes next i'm interested to see if he's going to be on Extreme Rose because i was sad to see like this food with uh, a and by extension like black and Koreo didn't end up on backlash and it's weird because this time last year, going Extreme Rules, Seth was in the middle of a very boring base run as Universal Champion, and we were having his relationship with Becky shoved down our throats every week. Whereas now, he's probably the most compelling character on Raw every week.
0: I, um I, I'm I'm really I'm really liking this feud as a kind of as kind of the big feud to go side by side with the title picture because you can. You can see this being extended to SummerSlam. You can see like a uh, potentially Dominic and Ray tagging against Murphy and Theory Extreme Rules or something like that. And then you get the big Mysterio Rollins match at SummerSlam. There's, there's just there's a lot of ways for this to go. And I'm just I've just been I've just enjoyed it from the start. I think that it'll be a good way of getting Dominic to kind of be in as kind of being a tag team partner to his dad. He's working with he'll be working with Rollins, arguably one of the best performers in the company right now. I, I, I can't see a downside to this story happening right now.
1: Yeah, and if Dominic does get involved in maybe a tag, tip, tag match we start against maybe Seth and Murphy, he's going to have, obviously, by side and he's going to have experience, like, solid workers like Rollins and that to make him look like a million bucks. Even if he's still fairly green, as you said, he's working with the right people who won't help won't guide him along and they'll probably very much rehearse this match. To make it seem like it's the best it can be.
0: I, I'm, I'm looking forward to what happens next week as well. I think like, I think Mysterio is coming back next week, or I don't know if he's medically cleared, but I think he's going to be on Raw next week anyway. So it'll be be interesting to see what kind of what boring promo work from Mysterio and how how more how Raw is we able to carry a segment. But uh, we we go on to to something that me and Ross spoke about a few weeks ago, and we were saying that we felt that the women's tag division hadn't hasn't been booked well at all. It's just been a bit of a, an afterthought, and then since that moment, it's been booked brilliantly. Last week, even though we dissected it quite a bit, the women's segments all made sense. Same again happened here. Also, we had. The Iconics versus Liv Morgan and Natalya to begin with. We thought maybe that was a, a, a new tag team that would be coming up. But Natty seemed to be a bit, uh, I don't know, a bit arrogant, a bit aggressive in a way. Like when the, the, the match started, she immediately tagged herself in. And the Iconics managed to get a kind of quick double move going in and a flurry of strikes and whatnot. Morgan comes back in, but ultimately she, she loses the match for her Well, Natalia was down at the ringside. What were you Were you surprised at seeing Liv and Natalia as being a tag team here?
1: I wasn't really that bothered with their team because, well, I think they were fighting the Iconics and the Iconics needed to win more, even though their weird finish to Fall From Graves or whatever they called it, they would spin Facebuster on Liv Morgan, looked pretty shite. And I don't get why they always give crap finishers to some of the women wrestlers because even some of them was like weak, they give a lot of women wrestlers over the years weak finishers, but because it's the women's division, they just use them, even though you would never see crap moves like that used by the guys. It's like a very shit version of like, Alice Anderson's Magic Killer, but yeah, it was, it was crap, but like, I I was happy to see Iconics win, and I Natalia's weird thing with Lana backstage, so it's nice to see that they're lumping all the women that you couldn't give a shit about together. So hopefully yeah. you only get one segment of shit.
0: So I uh, as the uh, the iconics after one, they one, they challenged Bailey and Sasha Banks for the raw for the women's tag titles next week, obviously depending on if it was to Shossie Blackheart and Tegan Knox tonight, Right You alluded to that kind of backstage segment. It was the tally I was getting quite down the throat. I live Morgan and she re- repeated like discipline as being a uh, something she hadn't had a couple of times when she was listening to things she wasn't good at, as if she just didn't know what to say. And mm-hmm. obviously Lana appears an where she's a bit grief stricken as well, but we'll go on to that in a wee while. And they seem to kinda reside in each other in a way as if like, oh you're a, you're a good show at a cry on here. This is this a potential way of getting Lana on TV and Natalie on TV as well as being a tag team? a tag team of folk that think they deserve better?
1: Possibly. I mean, maybe they'll do this What they were probably going to do that in 2017 when they made a big thing for several weeks on SmackDown where it looked like Milano was going to try and manage to meet towards the SmackDown women's title and then they did nothing with it. I think with Natalia, somebody left a comment on the YouTube clip of this, of this segment which I think sums up Natalia's run perfectly. They pointed Natalia Natalia's basically become the big show of the women's division and actually seems to turn from face to heel for so often with very little reasoning and she was talking about the un- her ungrateful from the women are and the oh I built this division for you I'm pretty sure she's already used that excuse once or twice for when she's turned heel so mm-hmm. she's heard so many times already that they're running out of imagination when they want to turn Natalia heel
0: oh see this is up I appreciate that they're actually trying to build a tag division and the tag division allows women that aren't going to be on TV as much a way of getting TV time and being involved in some sort of storyline but by Christ if they're going to push Natalia and Lana down my throat on Raw every week I am not going to be happy <laughs> Lana, Lana, crap in the ring she, her, her acting skills are awful Natalia's the one of the most boring people in the women's division I get she's She's or her namesake's got her to where she is and all that, and she's she thinks she's like deserves more. But I am not looking forward to this tag team being a thing.
1: Nah, because like, like you watch these promos from these two, uh, like fucking Tommy Wiseau would criticise their acting. That's how bad they are.
0: <laughs> they would not even get into the this movie. That's that's how bad it is as well. i <laughs> oh, going along with this. Uh, Bailey and Sasha turned up on Raw, going about their, their victory at Backlash. Did, did you enjoy the, the women's tag
1: match? Yeah, Yeah, I enjoyed it. It was a hot like, opener. It was constantly like friends, like someone's always in shortly after someone else has done something, so we're constantly having to keep track of what's going on, and uh, that led right up until the finish where Sasha kind of stole the win by uh, pinning Alexa after Alexa had already hit one of the Iconics with uh, her finish. So they were smart champions that, that escaped with their their titles. I liked uh, the Iconics promo after they beat Natalya and Liv Morgan. Like, like, I where they, this is what happens when we are in a singles tag match, not a triple threat. Basically, if they got Sasha and a one on one, they would beat them because they've already beaten them to the tag titles. And I also like that when they did the whole like the end of the promo with their like iconic catchphrase. They didn't do the pose. They just sternly looked down the camera as if to say, like, hey, we're taking this seriously. We want those titles.
0: Uh, it's as a, as a kind of um, aside to uh, the iconics we've not seen mm-hmm. before. Obviously, when they first came back, they got the win over Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross on title, obviously, but then they lost the title match they got the next week. Then you they thought we were getting the split up when the slap happened, but no, that just seemed to kind of reinvigorate the passion they have to get these tag belts as being pretty much. The only credible actual women's tag team. Everyone else just seems to keep it thrown apart. I wouldn't. I wouldn't call Sasha and Bailey a tag team. They're just like good pals. You know, what I mean, they're not. They aren't what the Iconics actually are, and that it, it's led to the point that we're going to get the women's tag match next week, with Sasha and Bailey, if they win, of course, against uh, short and Tegan, up against the Iconics next week on Raw. I can only see this going one way.
1: So I like both segments with DQX, and that they got a strong win against Liv and Natalia. They cut that good promo, and then they had Bailey and Sasha out later celebrating not only the victory but the fact that it was Bailey's uh, birthday. And they were, uh, they got in their face and they almost anger, riled up Bailey to the point where she accepted on her and Sasha's behalf for next week. So it's all building really well. But then you look at it, even though it was unlikely that they were going to drop in the shot St. Teagan. A lot of this kind of takes away from this, that match on Wednesday because now that we know that they're going to fight next week, even when they said, oh, if they get past Tegan and Shotzi, like the way they built this match, they spent the episode multiple segments on the will build building this match for next week. And it makes you take away even more from that match on Wednesday, and you know now that Shotzi and Tegan aren't going to win.
0: Yeah, I, I, that is a shame. It would be nice if it was just like whoever wins on NXTV, Challenge on, mm-hmm. on Raw next week, but. It's, I guess it's the way it is. Unless there's like some sort of iconic shenanigans on NXT and they get the win. And, well, the Tegan and Shotzi get the win because of the iconics. And then you've got next week, say that iconics managed to win the belt off them. Then you kind of get the iconics versus Sasha and Bailey, Extreme Rules. I feel that even if Iconics win or lose next week, the match will happen again. Extreme rules and Sasha and Bailey will definitely lose, and that's where you'll see the eventual turn. Mm. But um, I just kind of wanted to happen sooner than later.
1: I mean, I has been a focus on the ones tied to the last few weeks because like, you had the defence on Smackdown, like, but you had the defence, like and Mickey defending against Iconics, and then again against Bailey and Sasha, where they lost. You had a triple threat at Backlash like, having a match on Wednesday. NXT and then you're getting another title defense on Raw next week. So their titles are being defended constantly. And I think the big thing for reason for Bailey not being in the tag division anyway is because they know at the moment there's not really anybody other than Sasha to really challenge Bailey in a singles match for the SmackDown women's title. So I think that one that title she's got is taking a backseat while she and Sasha have this title reign and trying to help elevate them because they know that once they lose the tag titles. It can set up for that singles feud and hopefully bring some like attention back to the SmackDown women's title because the main reason Bailey Skiller was all go going about how long she's held the title for is because really she's not that had that many credible opponents for it.
0: It's kind of lackluster on their side about who to have. So I, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to because that like regardless of what other story is going to be when that if this happens for SummerSlam. Whenever this eventual split happens, you know, you get, you're going to get Bailey versus Sasha. That is going to be the story going into that pay per view.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And I'm, I'm just I'm um, I'm here for it. To be honest, it's about it's about time. Unfortunately, I couldn't trigger it trigger it earlier on because of stuff being out of their control and whatnot. But you're, we're getting it now, so I'm quite I'm quite happy to see that. But we'll we'll go on to something that Ross is happy to see every week. He may have been a bit disappointed at Backlash though that Bobby Lashley under the tutelage of MVP they are one against Drew McIntyre. How, did you did you get to see this match as well? Were you a fan of it?
1: Yeah, I was a fan of it. I even in our ACSR yes, predictions I didn't win. But I even like most of the, the predictions I went very safe. But when this came around I thought, fuck it, I'm going bold and I went with Lashley. And uh, yeah, that didn't pay off. But you know, at least on the bright side our Saturday Draft Life cohort David Hockney, got the win so you know the belts amongst the the team, so that's a win for all of us.
0: <laughs> uh, so I'm sure we'll, we'll we'll have a title celebration on the transfer special episode in Saturday Draft Live this week, and we can all laugh and Ryan Gallagher's face when he's on as well. It'll, it'll be a good time all round by the Saturday Draft Live boys.
1: Evidently. and the, this this match also had the Lana involvement, and then possibly that gave them plenty to complain about here. And I was hopeful that obviously the line involved would help continue the shoot with and Bob Lashley using as an excuse to get another title shot because the way Drew cut that promo at the end of Backlash, like looking in the camera I said, "I told Lashley like bring his best," and the way he was talking, I mean it seemed like in Drew's eyes he was done with Lashley which I was hoping was not the case.
0: Yeah. So before even Raw was on the air, it was announced on the kind of the Raw preview that you see on your your socials that. Bobby Lashley and MVP were teaming up with each other to go against Drew McIntyre, which is which as you can see that. But then Drew's tag partner of R-Truth. We, I love seeing R-Truth, to be fair, but I was so confused. Obviously, it makes sense when you go through Raw, but see before Raw even happened, Scott, what did you think about seeing this tag match happening?
1: I... Uh... I thought it's fair enough, it's a it's a way to continue this feud. maybe Lashley can like steal a pin or or Drew or maybe you can get like the Phil Nelson in and give him a reason to continue this feud because we had we've had a couple of runs with Lashley and M V P with R Truth backstage, so again you can continue you because you remember like this whole partnership started after R Truth was met by M V P and then Lashley came out, so I wasn't totally player like wasn't totally by surprise but I thought you maybe even if at last line, if you won they were just going to use our truth to get the win. Yeah, I, mean, I wasn't entirely disappointed to see r truth there because he's always entertaining and also like gave them an out if they didn't want Drew to take a loss.
0: Aye, so it's uh, I mean, I was, I was excited to see because I thought it'd be funny with r truth in it, but I was also kind of why is this happening in the first place? But I was, I'll get on to it in a, in a few minutes as to breaking down how we eventually got to this match, but. We've got Bobby Lashley MVP backstage, kind of near the start of the show, and uh, an interviewer comes up to them and wants to speak about the loss, and they are going on saying, "No, more strategic planning, what we're going to, how we're going to win this tag match, and how Bobby was screwed out of winning the WWE title because of Lana." You know what we're going to address that right now. So out they go, Bobby Lashley the MVP, come down the entrance ramp into the ring, and they're talking about how much of an injustice it was. At backlash that they didn't win, how Drew didn't automatically give them a rematch there and then to the belt. And then they put the entire blame on Lana and, Lash- and Lashley, he was fine with it. He was like, Aye, firehead, fire the blame on her. She then comes marching down to the, the ring and she was saying, No, it's your fault for banning me in the first place. I thought that was pretty stupid, but regardless, that it didn't make much sense. They argued, they argued. Washley goes on about you've been distracting me ever since you've been posting her sex life on twitter and she's been saying oh if i was posting my sex life on twitter i'd be posting a better, better celebrity blah 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 he finally hits it with i want a divorce mvp tries to contain the laughter and away they go mm. is this the end of lana's involvement in this feud i bloody hope so
1: <laughs> Yeah. I mean whatever you're doing with Natalia now, lads, stay over there, stay in that lane. <laughs> Leave Big Bobby alone and let him MVP do their thing because yeah, it made sense that they would blame Lana. I think it was natural. It was a bit time that they just got rid of this Lana Lashley partnership. I don't know, even MVP uh, sorry some Joe on commentary was trying not to laugh. feeling like they said, Oh this is Lana's sitting divorce in eight months and went and Joe just left Well she's racking up quite a Roster, isn't she?
0: Oh, well, it was as, as, as a good way to end it. Obviously, it's at, at, at the expense of Bobby winning the belts. I'm pretty sure that even though you kind of want Drew to win, no one would really oppose Bobby Will actually being the champion, right? now he, like he's definitely earned it under the tutelage of MVP. And speaking of under the tutelage of MVP, as a match <laughs> you may have thought we were spoke about in the dud section, but I'm going to include it in this story because before and after is key here. Apollo Crews went one on one. With Shelton Benjamin and MVP, current as ever, he's always recruiting. He's always trying to. He's always trying to build his network. And before this match, he was praising how good Apollo Cruz is, and he's saying, "I appreciate you know you're a fighting champion. You, you want to prove that you're the best." But the difference of being a fighting champion and a smart champion, I can get you then money matches. I can make you fight when it matters. I can make you fight stars. And Apollo Cruz is like, that that's not what I'm about I want to give folk the chance of getting this title whenever they can I want to be a fighting champion a champion for the people and MVP goes look I'm not just giving you I'm telling you that if you don't do this you're not keeping this much longer and walks away I was I was was thinking oh is this maybe hitting hitting a wee MVP Polo Cruise Cruz which I wouldn't have been against at the time then obviously we kind of figure out after it's a great match, to be fair, we see of Apollo Crews and Shelton Benjamin. They're great workers. I, I proper enjoyed it. But what what after, what after, happened after those caves? Shelton Benjamin's kind of locker room, you know, a bit dismayed at losing and whatnot. And then MVP comes, you, you know, I can get you a match at Apollo Crews again. And I can get you for the US title. And Shelton Benjamin just kind of looks up on him. And he's just kind of smiling a wee bit. Could we see an MVP... Bobby Lashley and Shelton Benjamin faction. action. I get take all my money now. Take it, take it and run.
1: <laughs> yeah, because I was kind of sad at this little Benjamin thing. If it is going to play a major role in the future of MVP as a manager, I was sad that it was used as like a, net, a YouTube exclusive and not actually on the on RAW itself. And I think of the two, if either one we're going to take MVP as a manager. I think I don't think Apollo needs it right now. I think Benjamin is really in need of somebody like MVP to do for him what he's done for Lashley and I like to say through with a fact that I almost forgot about is MVP pointed out as one of the longest reigning US champions in WWE history. I think he called himself the longest reigning but I'm pretty sure Dean Ambrose beat that record but they're not mentioning him right now. So like, his idea, like he knows what it means to hold on to the US title so if you were wanting to sell, you you should get his advice, and I wouldn't be against him like diversifying like his client range because like he can be doing with Lashley and Shelton, what Selena Vega was doing, and uh, the months following Mania with Thierry, Garza and uh, Andrade having this wide like faction, because like we we talked, you've talked about like this that tag team he had that then disappeared. So hopefully he doesn't just start some with Shelton and that disappears as well. Hopefully this is actually something they're going to build with.
0: Yeah, it's it's because if that happens and you get that match, well, actually anything, M- anything MVP is involved with or touching right now is, is like turning into like real gold. Like the WWE titles, kind of, I would say it's elevated because of MVP being involved in that story. If he gets involved, with the US title, that's another elevation, in making making Apollo Paul Cruz Cruz's reign mean more, and. Get Shelton Benjamin back in a kind of prominent role on TV, which is which he's so deserving of because he's just been on main event every week and he's been put on to absolute clinics, and yet no one can really see that because it's on main event and he's deserving mm-hmm. of so much more. So I'm fully behind Shelton Benjamin getting into this uh, starlight again.
1: 100%. Because like the idea of factions who are all like managed by the same person but are all off on their own thing. Is really lost in modern WWE, like we've seen, got that when Selena was doing our thing before CD so got kicked out, but like it was how it was done back in the 80s. Like, even in modern wrestling, you had Riddle representing multiple people across ICWA. He, he had a tag team, He had Kenny Williams, he had uh, Casey. wouldn't no, no, he have he had somebody in the women's division, I can't remember who he had. Yeah, yeah, like in our circle, even off on their own things, like you got Jericho and Sami as a team, Jake Gaker chasing Cody for his title, so like. Factions that are all like united together but can always also go off on their own storylines. Can't, can't still have a place in modern wrestling.
0: Aye, it's just they're, they're showing that they're able to do it right now. And well, getting away from that US title scene, I'll, I'll, I'll try to start explaining the, the shenanigans of how Archer's involvement in this tag team match makes sense. So... R-Truth has a couple of run-ins with Bobby Lashley and MVP and it it somehow gets agreed that the 24-7 title and the WWE Championship are both on the line in this tag team title match and that winner takes all stipulation and I was like sure this isn't going to be the kind of cheap way of getting the title off Drew Mm -hmm. so I was like god Right, this is going to be weird. How, how are they going to work this? They managed to work it pretty well involving some ninjas with Akira Zazawa <laughs> again. Uh, running away and hiding, Drew, Drew finds R Truth and he's like, You've you've put me in a terrible spot here and I need you to fix it because I do not want this stimulation to go down. R Truth, for a second, seems like he kind of has seen the light, something's hit him and he's kind of got a bit serious. He's like, Don't you worry, Drew and looks exactly like what I have to do Run, runs off he goes and we, we don't see a thing with them for a wee while and you've got Drew just kind of working out at a, in a ring at the back of the floor centre and Archer comes back and he goes don't worry I've got this all figured out now the match for the main event is only going to be for one title and it's only your title because you're the champion that matters most right now my 24-7 title doesn't even me defended Drew being IRA is like how, how's that make any sense so I, you can get pinned and I lose my title and he's like ah yeah but we're fine you've just got to trust me and trust him he did we went on to this main event match well not main is it main event I don't know we, we go on to this match between MVP and Bobby Lashley against Arsh Ruth and Drew McIntyre I I, I thoroughly enjoyed this it kind of, it kind of, what you expected from the start. Drew would just kind of run rampant against the two folk, and then he's about to, about to claim more MVP. Archer decided to tag himself in, and then the the shift of the map changes. You know, the momentum's on the side of Lashley and MVP, but uh, McIntyre's able to get himself back in the match. Hits. MVP with a future shock DET but Lashley managed to break it up but then trips in the outside during all this when there's pins being broken up and whatnot Bobby Lashley tries to spear uh, spear R-Truth into the next realm what happens? R-Truth somehow trips Bobby Lashley up and still steps McIntyre has a Claymore and MVP McIntyre then tags Truth back in, who has a star splash, pins MVP and retains the WWE title for Drew McIntyre. What absolute scene, Scott?
1: <laughs> yeah, it was, a, it was a weirdly short match for the amount of like build towards it because like like four maybe five segments backstage build into this, and then you had the then you had the stuff in the ring with actually and MVP demanding another title shot after the Lana thing, and like I like the way like Truth completely misunderstood the situation. Uh, before I went off and made it just for the Derby title, and Drew trying to explain to him like all the work I put in in the years, my life's worked to be the WWE champion. I don't want to lose it this way. And Drew's like, "Man, I know how you feel. Sometimes when I lose this 24/7, 7-Eleven European TV title, it took me around two, maybe even three days to get it back." And Drew's just looking at him like, "What are you on about?" And obviously at first Drew doesn't want to tag Drew in because he knows like if Truth gets pinned, that's him. That's the title change in hands. I remember before he, they change over, Truth thinks if he gets the win for his team, that not only does he retain the TV title, but he gets to do a title. The, that could be the new Becky two belts. Oh,
0: that was that was amazing. I loved I loved hearing that. Our, our Truth played his role amazingly, and that's like it helped. I, I, see if it was if this was any other star but Our Truth, I felt that all these segments would have been a bit boring. it, it wouldn't. It wouldn't have meant as much if it, if it wasn't Archer if it was in it. Because it was Archer truth, he managed to make it work and make it more enjoyable than what it actually was.
1: And also, I wouldn't be objected to seeing MVP get a frame of the 24-7 title because I remember a few weeks ago, actually, that Archer Truth backstage with the full Nelson after Archer accidentally interrupted MVP's interview. And part of me was watching that and saying, why didn't MVP just pin Archer there and win the 24-7 title? Because no one's going to try and chase him for the title when MVP's constantly being followed around by someone as big as Bobby Lashley, so he can hold he can hold down that 24-7 Tale for at least a couple of episodes of raw. And so you never know that could happen, you know. And obviously Drew Drew's sheer panic on his face when he's watching R-Trust get beat down thinking if this guy gets pinned there's my title gone. But then when you see moments like Drew sidestepping Lashes be on the outside kinda of like that thing with Orange in that he's a comedy character kind of you forget just how good of a wrestler he is. So sometimes, every now and then, he just surprises you when he pulls out these moves, or he actually works smart in the ring, and you realise just how good of a wrestler he is.
0: Aye, or one of the most criminally underrated performers on that on the roster. Either the Raw roster, SmackDown, NXT, for his age, for what he's actually able to do, he's, he's fantastic. But I can, I can see this twenty four seven title. If this feud happens between him and MVP and MVP becomes like the kind of twenty four seven champion, I can see that being intertwined with the WWE title feud quite a bit. So say say there's that the rematch takes place, probably Lashley, and Drew McIntyre, Extreme Rules. MVP would probably win the twenty four-seven title before that. Yeah. And he's he's out managing Lashley, the pay-per-view main event. And Lashley's about to win, but like our truth comes out. And pins MEP to get his belt back, and then Drew like hits like a sneak way more on lane wins. You can see some sort of shenanigans, way so it's not like a entirely clean victory. But it, it doesn't hurt Lashley in any way.
1: Mm-hmm. Just, I definitely think this is going to continue extreme a lot, much like the the Raw Women's Title thing. I definitely think Lashley Drew will extend to extend to extreme rules, and I think you can definitely get there, like have it took me 13 years to get a WWE title opportunity Lana cost me that I didn't work 13 years to not only have a dirty title match and a tag match and my representative is the one getting pinned and he did even get pinned by the WWE champion give me another singles match without Lana distracting me just me and Drew man to man maybe they'll have some sort of simulation maybe they'll put them in a cage or something and let them just fight it out settle who's the better man
0: it's. Uh, I look forward to. It. I've been enjoying this, dude. But uh, what we'll get on I say something. I didn't think I'd enjoy going into Backlash as much. The greatest wrestling match of all time. How do you think it was at Backlash? Just, just a, a quite brief kind of. Your, was your. Did you enjoy it? Did you did you like it? Did you respect it? Did you respect what it was? Did you like the outcome? G- give us your thoughts.
1: Uh, I like the outcome because I think it made sense. I Wharton win if they're even though Edge is now injured he. you know when he comes back they will probably try and settle this once and for all I know it's the whole 50-50 vision but also it's a better story because it gets a better reaction for Orton to win after all this work the Edge but especially in the means that he won it I really enjoyed I think it's one of the better matches both men have had in their careers, better, one of the best matches Randy's had in a long time and like the way they presented it, they did their best, they're I remember Ross was watching, he was feeding a bit, then one of them hit a rock bottom, and Ross was sit- sitting right back up. He was fully invested in the finish. <laughs> and I think the main consensus is, like, it wasn't the greatest ever, but a lot of people respect what they pulled out in the effort of both men. And one, I can't remember who it was, that somebody put out, like, we shouldn't forgive WWE for putting this mon- moniker on it because it caused a lot of people to then take the piss out of the match before they even gave it a chance for them to build to the, the match. And now, instead of everybody talking about how good the match was, they're always putting an asterisk next to it, but going, yeah, but it wasn't the greatest ever, rather than focusing on how good the match itself was.
0: I mean, I, I proper enjoyed the match for what it was. Obviously, being able to pre-tape it and kind of edit stuff and get moves exact, it, exact helps it a bit. But when, when Orton's fully invested in a storyline, he's literally the best. He's the best out there, and you can you can see it. You saw it in Backlash, you've seen it, and they kind of rolled up to it. You saw it WrestleMania as well, they kind of lead up to that feud, that last man standing match as well, that Orton, when he's invested, is so, so good. And they continued on Raw, and he came out, and he was saying that he did exactly what he said he was going to do at Backlash, and he was going to end Edge. Give closure to Edge on some level as well, as being like, look, you're you're clearly not fit to do this. I've I, have, I I myself have torn your triceps and i have sent you back home to be a husband and a father, because that's where you should be. You should be retired, you should be looking after your family. And mostly going on this tirade about how, how he's like benefited Edge's life in a way. The Captain Charisma, Christian, his music hits. He's walking down to the ring. You know, he's a bit bit of a kind of angry look in the eye obviously he's wanting to confront the man who's just injured like his best friend at the pay-per-view before and you know he had a a bit of of bashing towards Orton here and there and he said that Edge will not quit Randy Orton kind of came back at Christian saying he was he was jealous of the of Edge of the radar sort of star being able to kind of come back and kind of have that match that Christian wasn't able to have just that one more match I know that you're injured and you're, you're not going to be quick to come back into an official WWE match. But I'm offering you the chance to get retribution on me. On me and for your friend. I will give you an unsanctioned match. But this offer doesn't last forever. You need to get back to me before the end of the show. How did you feel that went down? Knowing that we, might, we were potentially going to see Christian again
1: for one more match. I liked uh, Orton at the start kind of bragging about I am officially the greatest wrestler of all time because I won the greatest match of all time. And also then Christian coming in because that makes sense because last week he tried to fire up Edge and give Edge the motivation he needed before going into that match. And obviously it didn't really work out. And then or- Orton offering on the one more match kind of the callback to their great feud back in 2011 over the world heavyweight title and then also the science and, situation. and what's interesting here is like Orton kept referring to himself as a legend killer and how Christian's a legend. Like you wouldn't think Orton being like the veteran he basically is now would still be able to do a legend killer style gimmick. It would be in that gimmick would be like a younger guy. But now he's had a new on that he can still be the legend killer even though technically he himself now is a legend. And now he's sitting at guys who are now Wrestling just as long or even longer than him, and just ending their story, and like he's, he can still be the legend killer.
0: Uh, it's, uh, I'm, I'm glad that the legend killer monarch's being been played on a lot more now, especially kind of he's taken out edge. We'll talk about what happened later in the night as well. And he seems to kind of have that sadistic side back to him, the side that's arguably made the character who he is, and he seemed to play it better like and rather than what he did like 10 years ago but I'll get on to that in a wee minute throughout the show obviously we, we saw Christian quite a lot in backstage segments he was on the phone he was kind of beating where he was going to do it probably speaking to Edge on the phone and Ric Flair was kind of telling him saying look Orton's Orton's on a different level right now he's clearly not there he will he will try and watch you and make you nothing you can't do this, and he's like, no, I've got to defend my friend, I've got to do this, got to do that Big Show even comes and trying to do the same, and he's saying look, I don't know if I was in your position that I'd be wanting to do the same, you've got to think about this logically, like you, you're you not fit to wrestle, you can't do this There's a reason you're not medically cleared and all that but I get that you want to defend your friend's honour, and even so much you want to defend your own honour and then Christian's like, right okay, I know what I need to do comes out to the front and Charlie Caruso comes out and was like, oh, what, what are you doing at the front, Christian? And he's like, well, I'm not doing this for Edge, anymore. I'm doing this for me because Quinn finally disrespected me so much that I feel like I need to do this. I accept your challenge and unsanctioned match. So that means if Christian got injured in some way, he would not be liable for any damage or injury done to Christian. So we get we get the match yeah, he, he wasn't in any wrestling gear. He, just, he was still kind of in a kind black trousers and his black shirt. He just kind of may have had like some sort of like tape around his hands that they like, kind most wrestlers have in their nowadays. Samoa Joe was like frequently calling him a fool for even considering facing the Orton. Orton is punted Edge's face off at a uh, backlash. Orton comes out to ring, and obviously the introductions happen. The bell rings in everyone and then before they actually get the match kind of officially started even though little bit rang, Ric Flair comes out to the ring and he's saying please please don't do this I've spoke to Edge you, you can't he doesn't want to do it you don't you don't need to prove to anything to anyone that you need to have this one more match you just just turn around walk away are we fine and Christian's like nah can I push him to the side a bit it's happening I need to do this the bell rings again and as soon as that happens quite frankly this shocked me quite a bit because I didn't see it happening Ric Flair hits Christian with a low blow and just walked away Orton immediately seizes the kind of opportunity he sees in front of him punts punches Christian and then rolls him over Christian playing a cold dead body brilliant as ever Orton gets the pin one, two, three did you expect this to go the way it did?
1: No, definitely not because like, I like when Raw has like, uh, a thread going through the night and we had two on this show with the WWE title like, tag match and then this. And you do know, like Christian in the street clothes but with tape taper in his hands. So it made you think like, maybe we're in for like a legit like, fight, more of a street fight, more of a brawl than actually, actually trying to get around Christian's injuries and now he's not really clear to compete. And then the Ric Flair thing could sense something was amiss, and then I was like, the low blow. and I was like, we had Flair the week the week before, and they, they had an interaction on battle, where Flair was like, because I was like, he and Randy Orton go all the way back, from like the revolution days, and stuff how how Orton's at the top of his game, and they were talking about who was going to win, between him and Edge, and then having him help Orton, and like, it wasn't even as if he and Orton walked up the ramp together, as if oh they are in cahoots, like, Flair walked away, Orton like, planted, Christian, and then he rolled a the morph into him and then he kept whispering to him, like, I didn't want to do this. This is your fault. And he kind of sat there looking kind of conflicted as he watched, like, Christian being loaded on the stretcher. So, kind of a thing where Orton kind of goes them into it. But deep down, he didn't want wanted, uh, much like he said he was trying to save Edge. So, this whole Flair thing, I'm interested to see where that goes, because we only ever really see Flair when he, he's maybe doing something with Charlotte, but if we had got Orton and Flair together, I wouldn't say no to that.
0: It's just, it's. I was just, I was so I was so surprised at Hamnovs that I expected kind of the, 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 the punt to happen to Christian and he kind of be out and away. But I, didn't, I don't know why I was half expecting Christian to actually wrestle when they alluded so many times that he's not medically clear to wrestle.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But yeah. obviously the, the Rick Flair interference just kind of, Surprised me so much.
1: Yeah, cause like I think if, if Christian like like I heard like it was a number of nine injuries, and, like a couple of serious concussions like within close proximity of each other, that ultimately led to the decision for him to walk away. So, if obviously his health isn't the best, then the best thing to do is keep it short, and so to avoid the possibility of any injuries even if it is unsanctioned, like, avoid any possible injuries to Christian and make anything condition even worse. So, uh, by that, I mean, keep it short. And, the thing with the Christian angle if Orton keeps, like, doing this, like, taking, like, out legends when Edge comes back and say, why do, you, like, the rubber match? This angle with Christian gives them an extra feel to a fire for their feud because uh, Edge said, like, 46 months you will be out for and apparently the injury Happened actually. They were doing a couple of retakes of some of the spots during the match because it was pre-taped. And apparently, it was on one of the retakes that Edge injured himself.
0: Oh, I didn't even know that. That's more gotten than that actually happened on a retake.
1: Mm-hmm. I think it was like a oh. spot where like he dives and like gets caught in an RKO, and they decided to redo the spot. Maybe they maybe they didn't get a good enough shot of it, but it was on that that Edge injured himself. And I think it was the case of as soon as it happened, he knew like something's wrong.
0: And so it's like he's had what, torn triceps and he's had the surgery. He's just kind of recovering now. I don't know. I don't know the scope of how long you can be out for a torn triceps. Uh, I'm not not really sure. I don't know whether he will be back in time for an eventual rubber match at SummerSlam or whether that might be saved for, but maybe even to next year, like Royal Rumble or something. Or uh, I don't know. But it's, it's definitely gave good scope for them to have the eventual big final match at the end whether it be a, a year long built or not I'm, I'm not entirely sure but I'm all here for it
1: mm-hmm. yeah because this is definitely like some of the best what Orton's done in the ages and I've, it's that good. I've even seen a lot of people think if Lashley doesn't you can do thing with Lashley and Lashley doesn't win the title and obviously if they don't whether or not they've been brought back for SummerSlam some people have said that they think Orton should be the next challenger for Drew if maybe it's SummerSlam
0: I wouldn't be against, I wouldn't even mean against one winning. See so if he's able to keep this motivation, the determination, the kind of, the, the interest and in what he, he's doing right now. As I said earlier on, he's literally one of the best. And him with a WWE champion right now is, I don't think anyone can argue it being a bad thing.
1: Definitely not, especially how good of a heel he is. I think he'd be definitely, like, that's what someone like Drew needs, he needs a good heel he and go up against. Because me and Ross were talking about how we, Ross was saying I me mean, he thinks that Drew's in danger of becoming like another Diesel and that he's like the big tall guy who's got all the attributes in the world. But as a face he sometimes struggles. And obviously like, Drew Diesel's remembered as one of the worst WWE champions of all time. And obviously we don't want to see that happen to Drew, so he constantly needs a good and like story and people to bounce off of to keep him strong, kinda like he had with the Rollins feud.
0: I say the Rollins should obviously help because he, he, he was a good heel. Bobby Lashley, he's, he's a credible character, but it's, he's someone that's currently being developed into something more. And also we, the, the title won't be put on him straight away, but you can see at some point, not yet, but maybe even in the next year you could see that happening. You can see Bobby Lashley being a prominent figure in Raw. Just he's not, he's not the heel that should be going up against... Drew right now, Randy Orton is the perfect heel to kind of go up against a babyface Drew, but we'll see all that next week, I think, hopefully we can see that next week, also we've got Ray. Ray coming back confronting Rollins, we've got the women's tag title match we'll no doubt see more Lashley and McIntyre we'll see what Orton gets up to, but that's the raw report Scott
1: Definitely, and yeah, thanks for having me on Jack. It's been a it's good to talk about the the Orton Christians stuff. And I'm still looking forward to what's happening in the WA title picture between Lashley and Big Drew and I look very much forward to Saturday Night Live when us the winning team uh, yourself winning the predictions, you uh, Big Dave the champion and the loser Ryan Gallagher and we can talk about all the big transfer stuff, I just cannot win.
0: Absolutely brilliant, you know. True inside draft widening Saturday, we'll be going down, giving breaking down all the transfers. Obviously, you know, some have already made it's been on our Twitter, so definitely check that out. We've got Ryan Gallagher from the B show, he's going to come on, obviously, being bought by the draft table right now. He's going to break down all his transfers that he's made and explain his thinking behind it. And Mohab Scott, who's arguably our, our best chance. On Saturday draft live to win the, the 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 draft table this season, he can break down his transfers as well, and hopefully he can get the win for us. But Scott, thank you very much for coming on this week. That truly means a lot.
1: Well, i was happy to help out uh, you guys on the raw report because you know I I work I help edit these shows together, so I'm happy, I'm very much happy to be the Xavier Woods on the outside playing the trombone to... You and Ross is begging uh, <laughs> so. and coffee things and say the most unhealthy.
0: I'm going to say that next week when Ross comes back on. But to <laughs> everyone listening, thank you for listening. Ryan Gallagher, Ryan Wilson, get up, you. <laughs> See you next week. Yeah.